Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 would come at the close of Paul's life. Both of these admonition to the young Timothy. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I feel like the Lord, I know the Lord, has a word for somebody in this room today. A word, today's message will be a word of encouragement for you in the season of life. This service finds you in. I want to preach to you just for a little bit today on this simple title, Kept by the Faith. Kept by the faith. If you're going to help me today, would you lift your voice up one more time? Father, I ask that you would open my heart, open my mind, open my ears to hear the engrafted word of truth. Lord, may some word come forth from the heart of your servant today into the hearts and the minds of your people. And Lord, may it be a blessing. And may we rejoice in what you will do in just a few moments of time. Everybody say amen. You're going to be uh, attentive. You may be seated. It has been said, if thou bear the cross, it will soon bear thee. The story is told of a great businessman who lived in the 1970s who managed to learn this very principle that added to his life. He told of how it was when he was 14 years old and that an older brother of his became very sick. The time frame would have been sometime in the 1930s. He said that his family was so poor that they could not afford the kind of medical care necessary to take care of his brother. And so his care was left up to him and his mother. His father toiled away working on the farm and took on so many odd jobs as a handyman to try and help pay for a cure for his sick son. Finally, it reached the point where the country doctor told the family that there was nothing else to be done but just give him supportive care and provide as many comfort measures as possible. The businessman said that during this time, That were some of the very unpleasant, there were several unpleasant tasks that he had to perform. But because he loved his brother, 
He was willing to do what he could to help him. He said that always when he got the task completed, that he felt good about what he had done. Day after day, this 14-year-old young man and his mother did their best to take care of his brother without, com- without complaining. But when his brother died, the businessman said that he forgot about the unpleasant parts of the care and thought about how much his brother appreciated what he had done for him. He said that he was glad to have done what he could. Being dirt poor, there wasn't much of an opportunity for advancement except through elbow grease of pain and hard work. He took on a lot of hard jobs and a lot of times there was the temptation to give up and quit. But every day he did his best at the job. And when he would get home that at nighttime, he would feel good about what he had pressed on through. He knew that he had done what he should have done. He learned and practiced one of life's greatest truths. One of life's greatest truths. The cross bears those who bear the cross. And I feel on this Holy Ghost ordained Sunday morning that some of you today sit and you can testify of things in your life that have happened. There have been misfortunes. There have been distasteful things about life that have had the ability to shape us into what God wants us to be. But only because we were willing to bear the cross and to stick with what He had called us and what we had to do in this particular season. William Matthew said the difficulties and hardships and the trials of life, the obstacles that one encounters on the road to fortune are positive blessings. They knit the muscles more firmly and teach self-reliance. Peril is the element in which power is developed. And on this Sunday, uh, this is what the great apostle Paul was getting at when he was writing to Timothy about fighting the good fight of faith. At the end of his life, Paul clearly was telling Timothy that the connection between a kept faith is going to be a fought for faith. There is a discovery that all of us must make at some point in our lives that we must fight for their faith. We must fight for our faith at every turn in private and in public, in the home, in the workplace, in his own life, and in the life of those whom we are responsible for. But the discovery is that if a man can learn for, to fight for righteousness... If a woman can learn to fight for righteousness in their own personal life, then the world around them will begin to change by multitude, by multiplied degrees. Far too many times we have the tendency to think that we will win the fight for our faith in one single battle. One battle is going to define you. Or one battle, we're going to win this and the, and the fight is over. But the reality is that we fight for our faith every single day. 
when we have an understanding of the faith, it is clear that Paul was having a reference more than just a set of doctrinal views and beliefs. But Paul was telling the young Timothy who would follow in his footsteps, he was having a reference to fellowship of faith that involved interaction with God. He was having a reference to a household of faith that put him in a church with fellow believers. He was having reference to a surrender of self to a greater holy calling from the Lord God Almighty. He was having reference to a mindset that refused to be defeated despite huge setbacks and obstacles. Anybody in here feel like you've been in a fight this week? This is the faith that he fought for and that all of the church today will have to fight for until truth really takes hold of our minds and our hearts. It will never become real or fruitful until you learn to fight the good fight of faith. Far too many of us are guilty of living on the perimeters of the faith. Never allowing it to capture us in a way that truly this faith can transform you. I'm glad I got a faith inside of me that's able to transform me. That literally made me a new creation in Christ. Over the course of time, this steady fight of faith causes us to begin to mature almost as a piece of fruit that ripens ever so gently. The fight will have to progress in the darkest and most dangerous hours of our life. Paul's advice for us in our day is that we should stand firm. Hold true to the course that's been plotted out for us. And to endure afflictions as a good soldier. What may come our way. I've come today to tell you I'm staying the course. I'm not quitting. I'm not throwing in the towel. I started this race to finish. Oh, when you begin to look in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And you begin to understand what Paul was writing. His afflictions that had had involved Demas who had forsaken him. Alexander who had did much evil to him. But God had placed along the way to help him others. We find Aquila and Priscilla. We find Luke. We find Crescens. We find Eraticus who had strengthened him along the way. I think it's very ironic that when you look, Paul could have got his focus on all of those that were sent to antagonize, to intimidate. But I'm just glad Paul recognized there was more for him than those that were against him. There was more good going on than what was bad that was happening. I wish somebody right now would just take a review of your life and all that's been going on there's more good going on than bad you see you won't be too far in your journey before you get a clear understanding we heard it this morning in our Sunday school lesson we're not always our best we we will be ashamed at times there will also be times when we can look and say I did my best for men and God These are just victories that often become the things that give you the needed strength for the journey. Max Beerbaum, called the happy hypocrite. Now that that don't make sense when you 
the happy hypocrite, Brother Bittler, late 1800s. It is about a fierce and terrible man who one day saw a young girl who thought would be the love of his life as the villain. Despite the wide gulf of difference between the two, he proposed to her one day. She exclaimed back to him that she would. He searched that city over and found the best, the best mask maker around. He found a mask maker to make his face into the mask. He began to pursue this young woman and they married. Every day he lived his life in such a way to keep up his hypocrisy. He shook off all, all of his vices of gambling. and He was careful to be attentive. He was careful to be patient with her. He constantly held in check his evil tendencies in order to be a saint. Ripped off the mask so he would be exposed forever. And when the mask was ripped away, what he had been practicing day in and day out. The faith that he had kept. I'm going to say it. The faith that he had kept at last came to him. Day in and day out, he was dealing with those urges and those, those inclinations and those old things. But one day, he made up his mind. What I want is worth my sacrifice. Is eventually going to be what keeps me and I will become what I keep. How many sit in this pew? How many sit in your chairs today and you have a good day and then you have a bad day? You're up on the mountain. You're down in the valley. I will come a day that the faith you have fought for will be the very faith that will keep you in your most trying hours. The very thing that you're fighting for today. The very thing that you're saying, I feel like a failure. I feel, how many have said, I feel like a hypocrite. And I, if you could just understand that God sees you right where you're at. And he's saying, would you get up one more time? Would you? I see the face of a saint. I don't see the face of a hypocrite. They look like a happy hypocrite now. But I see a saint in the making. Because you've kept the faith. That faith is going to keep you. My, my, my. How in the world is this? How are we going to keep the faith and then the faith keep us? There's some things that I can do each and every day. Number one, when you're tempted to throw in the towel and give up. Brother Chris, there are some victories in the past that God has brought to you. Not a single person in this church who has been serving the Lord for any length of time can say that there are not some victories in your past. There's just some things that you have in your past that if it had not been for the Lord that was on your side, if it had not been for the Lord that made a way out of no way, why is it too many times we are defined by the troubles that settle in on us, but God is greater than our problems, and God in His great grace has set out the path in front of every one of us to travel, and He's looking today and says, I've got more faith in you than what you have in yourself. I understand where you're at, but the faith that you're keeping is what's going to keep you. 
in the path you're walking right now. There's some victories that I, you need to look back on. You need to look back to that place. You need to remember that moment. You need to remember that phone call. You need to remember that text message. You need to remember on a regular basis so you don't lose heart in the midst of this battle. Doors that God opened that only He could have opened. Healing of our bodies in times that doctors couldn't do it. How many times have you rocked your sick child and God just stepped in the room and said, you know what? I'm going to heal them right now. How many times has God met you in your financial pressure and he just stepped in and relieved that pressure and said, okay, I'm going to help you. Moments when you thought all hope was gone and God stepped in. Pressures that consumed our minds and wearied our bodies. Worries and anxieties that had us spending sleepless nights and weary days. How are you going to do it, God? What are you going to do? How are you going to meet the need? When you didn't see a chance of survival, but we kept holding on to our faith. God, am I ever going to be happy? Do you love me enough to send somebody into my life and help me? Do you love me enough to send me a helpmate? Have I failed you? Have I utterly failed you? Am I, am I doomed to this prison of loneliness? No! The faith that you kept in some of your most trying moments is the very faith that stepped on the scene and said, You've kept me. Now I'm going to keep you. God must not have done very much for anybody this week. I sit here today. I've got my family. I've got my wife. To the, I, I've got my right mind, or I think I do. I, I've got pretty good help, or at least I think I do. I, I, I don't have to worry too much about too much today. I've got everything I need, and it's all because of the mercies of God. And he sent enough faith to me to hold on to and to fight for. And I rise on this Sunday to remind you, keep fighting the good fight of faith. Because the faith that you fight for is the faith that will keep you. Remember your past victories. You know what? I, when I remember my past victories, Brother Sparks, when I remember my past victories, it helps to keep me from giving up in my present moments of crisis. I don't know how. I don't know when, but I do know he can do it again. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I've been on the other side of the equation where I've been right where I'm at today. And God said, don't you worry. Don't you fret. I got you right in the palm of my hand. I know the way thou taketh. And when you come forth, you're going to be like pure gold. That's what the word says. But, but, but when I look at the story of Job, I, I don't know how the man did it when he had a nagging wife said, curse God and die. Who are you, Job? Why don't you just curse? Why, if, if you were doing it all right, why, why, why? Paying, giving sacrifice every day for your ten kids. He went to that altar every day. You couldn't find anything that Job was doing wrong. No, you can't. But I don't find anywhere in the book of Job where he ever threw in the towel. 
I never find anywhere in the book of Job where he despised his faith. And for that very cause, the faith that he kept when he sat in the when he sat in the ashes, when he sat balls on his body and he would scrape them off. And the closest of his friends would say, Job, what have you done wrong? Job, what have you done? Why is God being so cruel? Job was just saying, boys, you don't understand it right now, but I'm fighting a battle. You can't fight for me. I'm fighting with a faith, and I'm fighting for faith that one day, one day the faith that he fought for was the faith that kept him. Because he lived to after this. Some of you are about to enter into a season of after. What is your this? What is your this, Brother Miller? What is your th- after this? How you have fought before this will determine your reward after this. How you have fought before this. How you fought when nobody was around. How you fought when nobody was looking. How you fought when everybody had left you and you were all by yourself. It's how you fought those battles that will determine your future. Hmm. I want you to remember Exodus 13.3. And Moses said unto the people. Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt. I don't ever want you to forget it. Remember this day out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand of the Lord. For by strength of hand of the Lord. Brought you out from this place. Somebody needs to catch that in the Holy Ghost. God's hand is big enough to bring you out of any mess that you're in today. It didn't say his hands. It said his hand. Brought the children of Israel across a Red Sea. Caused the very waters that he created. To stand on their sides. The very fish that he created. That were in that sea. To pause. and I, I can just imagine all of the species of fish. That were in that Red Sea. They had a first. They had a front row experience of watching. My God. I, I ain't never seen nothing like this. I just wonder if they got to the edge of that water. And. All you can see is bug eyes of fish watching the children of Israel going across on dry land. And it was just the hand of God that put a pause into the middle of that. God sent a wind through that water and his hand just led them through. You've come too late to tell me that God, through his mercy and grace, cannot bring you through some things. If God can employ a locust and God can commission a wind and God can just lift his mighty right hand and say, you know what? That's as far as you'll go today, devil. I've got a man, I've got a woman that's been fighting valiantly with the faith that I've given them. That measure, I've seen them fighting I've seen them weeping. I've seen them crying. 
And from that faith that they have kept, that faith is going to keep them. The second, trying to hurry, the second way that we can, that we can let our faith keep us is you fight for your future. We're going to remember our past. But sometimes you just got to get your eyes fixated. There's a better day coming. As Brother Jeff Arnold said, I will not die in my dilemma. I'm coming through this. You know that life has a way of pulling you down. But there are stronger forces at work in my life that I believe this hold me up right now. Life can hurt you, but it aids us more than it wounds us. This life that we're living has been a gift from God to us. And God said, you're not leaving here till it's your time. You're not expiring until I say it's time. And it's interesting when you read and study the temple of Solomon and how it was built. I hope somebody will grasp this in the Holy Ghost. The temple was built in near silence. Hear me. The temple was built in near silence. Because all of the stone, all of the metal, all of the woods used for construction had been cut to precision away from the site. One of the things that we know was that the cedars came from Lebanon. They were retrieved from the forest and placed in the temple. These huge majestic beams were placed in the temple in such a way that when it was completed, they were completely hidden because of all of the gold, the bronze, the silver, the tapestries, and so forth. But the temple would never have been able to stand except for the supporting structure of these beams. The vast contrast of Lebanon and Jerusalem. When you look at the vast contrast of Lebanon... In Jerusalem, from this principle, it can help you fight today. From this principle, it can help you fight for your future. In Lebanon, you had noise, you had dust, you had confusion, you had the, the, the sound of people, the cry of the workers, you had the rattling of the tools, you had the striking of the hammer, you had the straining of the saw and the distraction and the hurry to get this project done. It was the complexity of the blueprints. You can only imagine Solomon was going to build the greatest temple to ever exist. Varying degrees of unfinished work. But it was all done in Lebanon. But in the preparation for Jerusalem. Which was quiet. Which was calm. Which was refreshing. Which was a deep and solemn stillness. You could hear and you could feel the hint of worship. The hush of purity. The settling of the sacred. And it was all in Jerusalem. What are you trying to say, Pastor? An understanding of this solves the whole mystery. The quarry and the workmen are at Lebanon. The temple is ordained for Jerusalem. The work had occurred before it even arrived in Jerusalem. And if you can withstand, saints, the noise, 
the shouts, the distractions, the pain, the cutting, and the devastations of life. There will be some cedars placed in your heart of worship that will eventually help you. There will be some things that happen on the other side of life. There's going to be some things that happen where nobody's at that sees it. But one day you're going to wake up and the cedars of Lebanon are resting in the temple to prove and provide an inward bracing of an outward beauty. Oh, it's what you do when nobody's looking at it's what you do in your private prayer closet. It's what you do when nobody else is around and you come and you pray and you walk in and you walk out and you're just consistent every day. The hustle, the bustle, life. Life has the power to hurt us deeply. But life also has the power to heal us and do it completely. This body is a powerful, powerful agent used by the hand of the Lord. But what the devastation would be is for you to give up on the faith, causing you to forget that life's helping power. What it would do today, it would do you justice to look at it this way. The enemy would love for you to forget how life in its helping power is greater than its hurting power. Don't let the noise, the pain, the trials, the defeats, the calamities of life down here Get you off track from keeping your faith. Because if you'll carry your cross, one day that cross will carry you. My last and final point. The last thing to consider when you're tempted to give up. Is that this faith that has brought you this far. This faith that has brought great victories to us today. Sends us a message. And if you could hear from the cloud of witnesses. They would say. It's worth fighting for. I've made it. There have been some men and women before us. Who had to endure much to overcome the challenges of their faith. They did not sacrifice their standards of excellence. When the pressure was on them. They prevailed each and every time. It was in the biography of the great composer Mozart. It would be written, at 25 years old, he went to Vienna, Austria. And would live there for the next 10 years until death. It was during those 10 years, they were very productive as far as the writing of his music. The great scores and symphonies were written during this time. They still live on to this day and he would be known as one of the all-time greats. But there came challenges and setbacks that he had to endure in that great city. He was caught up in the madness of having to compete with every other gifted composer in that known time. He had the ability to poison the musical community against him, and he did, and his name was Antonio Soleri. It wasn't too long before the publishers of music fell under the sway of Soleri. One day, one of the publishers said to him very harshly, Right, sir, in one more essay in popular style. Or I will neither print your music nor pay you a penny for it. It just so happened that this came at the height of a terrible winter. In fact, Mozart and his young wife were poor. That often they didn't have enough food or fuel in their tiny rented house. 
One cold morning that winter, a friend came to visit him. He was shocked to find that the house was freezing. There was nothing to eat. Not only that, but he called Mozart and his wife waltzing about the little room just to generate body heat to keep them warm. In fact, some believe it was these conditions that sent him to an early grave at age 35. The temptation to sacrifice his standards was something that he might have easily done. He could have said, I've got to eat. He could have said, I can't see my wife suffer. Instead, he said to the publisher, my good sir, if those are the conditions that I have to meet, then I will die of starvation. I cannot write as you demand. Through the help of some of his closest friends, he managed not to starve. Because of that, his music lives on today. What does that have to do with me? It has to be this kind of courage in every one of us in this room. If we can look at just the pages of history and understand others have made it, and so will I. Scripture is loaded with men and women who chose to do just that. Sometimes you just have to tell yourself, I'm better than this. I'm better than where I'm at right now. I will arise. I'm going to keep plowing. I'm going to keep sowing, no matter the setbacks, no matter the challenges, no matter the demons that I have to fight against. God is building something inside of me. And that is in, it is in this process that I must go through this to make it. I conclude. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he would write. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've, I've, I've been in the deep. That means he was lost. He was in the sea. A night and a day. In journeyings often. In perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness. Y'all ready to quit? In perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. <laughs> Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. He's saying if I'm going, if I'm going to glory on, in anything, I'm going to glory in What's happened? What I've endured as a soldier. For in verse 31 it says. The God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which is blessed forevermore. Knoweth that I lie not. And we've read through this pretty good. But we get to verse 32 and 33. And it just. It captured me today. In Damascus. He transitioned. In Damascus the governor. Under Aretas, the king, 
kept the city of the Damascus with a garrison. Desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. I don't know if you just caught verse 32. If you read prior to that, you see the, the picture, the word picture of a man through everything he went through. The tone of it was I went through all of this. But I kept my faith. I went through everything. But I never lost my faith. I went through the perils. I went through the. the, the I, I, I've been beaten. I've been lied on. I've been, I've been betrayed. I've, I've suffered hunger and thirst. And fastings and nakedness. Perils and heathens. And wildernesses and seas. And false brethren. And the list could go on and on. But I don't think it's by accident. That the Bible would put verse 32. The governor kept the city. But Paul's faith kept him. The very thing that Paul treasured. The very thing that Paul kept through every trial of his life. Ended up being the very thing. That allowed him through a window in a basket. He was let down. And he escaped the hands of death. By what he kept. Ended up keeping him. Stand to your feet. I ask this great audience. You've been in a fight. You've been in a fight and I know it. But the good fight of faith is worth fighting. You've been in a fight, and I know it. But the good fight of faith is worth fighting. And what you fight for will, in the end, keep you. There's a song that's sang by the crowd family. So many times I question certain circumstances things I could not understand many times in trials my weakness blurs my vision and that's when my frustration gets so out of hand it's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken I've never had to stand one test alone and as I look at all the victories The spirit rises up in me. And it's through the fire. My weakness. Is made strong. The course would go like this. He never promised. That the cross would not get heavy. And the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered a victory without fighting. But he said. Help would always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in. Just hold on. Our Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again. 
I just wonder today if somebody is in a fight. You're in a fight for your marriage. You're in a fight for your home. You're in a fight for your children. You're in a fight in the employment. Whatever, whatever it is, you're in a fight. I want you to know today that God's going to meet you in the battle. God's going to meet you at the very place that you need Him most. And it's from the place of battle where you decide, I'm fighting the good fight of faith. That the fight, the faith that you're fighting with and from is going to be the faith that keeps you. Would you begin to step out of your seat right now? Could I ask you as we close this service? There's room at the altar. There's room at the altar for you. There's room at the foot of the cross. Oh. He's going to meet you at that place. He's going to meet you at that moment. Where are you at today? What are you going through this very hour? Because where you're at, where you're going. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I'm asking you right now to lift up your voice, lift up your hands if you can. God's getting ready to meet you. Father, all over this house, I know what I feel. But I feel so strong in the spirit. But I feel so strong at this hour. Oh, going to begin to sing, but I want, I want there to be a worship that would come out of your heart. Let a worship, let a determination rise in the heart today that says, I'll fight another round. I'm picking myself back up, and I'm going to let the fight of faith.